He's Howard Ibach, a former copywriter and creative director and the author of two books on the creative brief. And he's Henry Gomez, an ad agency strategist with over 27 years of experience. Together, Henry and I are the Brief Brothers. We love talking about creative briefs, briefing, and advertising. We're back for another episode, Henry. Today, we're going to use the latest essay by our friend and super creative, George Tannenbaum, as the fodder for our discussion. He wrote a, a piece this week called I'll Be Brief, where he discusses creative briefs. It's not a topic he talks about very often. So the fact that he took it on, I think was fascinating. And when, you know, we love George. We've had him on our show before. So when he weighs in on a subject that you and I care deeply about, you know, we pay attention. And he had a few interesting comments. I'm going to do a quick screen share. So we'll, we're not going to read the whole piece, but we'll just look at it. Um, I think some of the key lines, and you picked out one or two here, I think near the end, he says, we'll scroll down to the end. He said, this is not a screed against briefs. It is, as always, a screed against excuses not to think. There are way too many of those excuses and way too many ways to excuse those excuses. So his complaints about a creative brief are essentially things that we've talked about before and we've heard about before. What is it that creatives expect when they see a creative brief? And what is what are they delivered? And I love the way you describe your objective or your goals when you write a brief, Henry. You say, I go for my objective is to try to write an inspiring brief, but if I can't get to that inspirational quality, I want to write a brief that's clear that creatives can work with. So, so given, given what George has talked about in this, I think, astute and well thought out essay on his ad aged blog post, what are your thoughts about his comments? I, I largely agree with everything that he, that he wrote here. I mean, we, we can pick out like a line here or there. Like he talks about the, that line where he says the idea of the brief as panacea is dopey kind of feels a little bit like a straw man argument, like who is actually saying the brief is a panacea. But at the same time, I could see where some people might overstate the importance of a brief or what they're, or maybe it's based on the expectation that they have of a brief, right? And so uh, my experience is that some creatives have different expectations of a brief and some would like to have their hand held and get receive more of a solution than a challenge where others are perfectly fine with a challenge, which is interesting because further down in the column, you know, George, who's a great copywriter, a great creative talks about the, the, that to him, a brief has always been a, a provocation. Right. And then, mm -hmm. so it's, it, he's not looking for it to be a solution. He's looking for it to be a provocation, which to me is a healthy approach for a creative to have, but it could be clients. It could be account people. It could be strategists maybe that, you know, have too much expectation of a brief. But like you said, the, I first set out to make sure that, Hey, is this thing clear? Like, are they going to know what to do after I present them with this, with this brief? And then hopefully it's something more than that. It's something inspiring that gets them to start thinking uh, of of ideas that in, in different directions, um, and that's you know the the nature to me of of a brief. But how he closes the piece to me is really important because he 
talks about making excuses for not thinking. And to me, the worst briefs are the ones that are filled out as if a form, right? Thoughtlessly, mindlessly. And a good brief requires thoughtfulness. And thoughtfulness requires meditation and and time and digesting materials and synthesis and, you know, and coming up with something like, okay, I'm going to think about this. I'm going to write this thing. I'm going to make choices. And within those choices, hopefully a better picture of this assignment emerges than before or than if I were absent or this document and this you know, presentation that I'm going to make to the creators were absent. George is in a unique position with one or two others that we know out there in the world of being someone who is truly outstanding in his field. Cameron Day is another one. Cameron has been on our, our program before, and he said that he often will take a creative brief and rewrite it. He'll, he calls it his mantra. And that sounds, if you read through George's uh, essay here, he does the same thing. He tries to find the magic within it, tries to find what is it they're, that, I, that they're asking me to do. So he reinterprets it. How many uh, creatives actually do that? I don't know, but probably not many. So George brings an extra degree of credibility when he has his laments here about a, a brief. And I think it, it's worth paying attention to. As you've pointed out, I encounter creatives in my workshops who I think if they don't come right out and say it, you can tell by the quality and the nature of their answers and then their questions and their comments that they've been beaten up so many times that they're finally just saying, okay, look, just tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. And that's a sad commentary on the relationship between, especially if it's an in-house agency, the, the client and their creative department. Because that's the, that's the best way to kill good work is to simply turn creatives into order takers. And that's resulting from a brief, as you said, that's not thought out. It's a form that's just filled out with no original thinking, no critical thinking. That's dangerous. Yeah. So speaking of sparking, right, a brief supposed to spark thought, you sparked a few things, a few things in me. People like Cameron and George and others um, that are very notable creatives, their, their intellect goes well beyond just copywriting and formulating words together. They're also wise to the world. They're wise to business. They understand that what the client is trying to do in terms of selling widgets, they, they, they're realists in that sense. They're not pure artists for the sake of, of being artists. They're, there's a, a commercial nature to their thinking process, and that makes them more strategic than others, right? And then we have creatives that frankly are, you know, that they're not really looking at the business, but I think the greatest ones, I think the people like the David Ogilvy's of the world, the Bill Burnbox of the world, the Keith Reinerds of the world, they understood the business world. They didn't try to say, well, that's the business world. I'm not on the creative side. Mm. They knew they were creative, but they knew they had to understand that in order to fulfill this role of advertising. So I think in a lot of cases where the strategist role has kind of developed is to kind of be like the, I'm coming up with a metaphor, like the asphalt that you put to fill in the potholes, right? Like, you, you know, something to smooth it out because there's these deficits in some creative teams and among some creatives. So you have to like, and the brief is kind of a critical part of that, right? Of like 
setting and understanding. A great creative can take a shitty brief and come up with great work from it because he sees the business. He's going to say, he's going to look at the brief and say, I reject that. That's not true. This is okay. I get that. And he's going to put his own spin on it. But if you don't have that business acumen and that kind of strategic mindset as a creative, you're not going to be able to do that. And so you're going to be complaining about the briefs. Right. And I think if you recall from our conversation when George was on our show quite a while ago, he said that when he goes to a new business meeting with a client, he brings along a planner. And I, w- I, was, I was not stunned, but pleasantly surprised to hear him say that. Because, you know, again, he says in this essay that he's not dissing briefs or the brief writers. He's simply saying, I want to make sure that all brief writers give it the energy and the brain power that it's that it requires. And so he respect he works with with, with planners that he respects and they're part of his team when he goes. He says to, he says in the piece that my best friends and agencies almost always have been planners. Yeah, yeah. So he he understands the role. He understands the importance. But I think as someone who's been in the business as long as he has. He's tired of seeing briefs that just don't even cut it at the most basic level. And that's how I felt when I got started in, in, you know, in the business of training people on how to write a brief. I just read so many bad briefs. And, yeah. and my, my response to George, because I, you know, I, I saw this post on his, on his LinkedIn post, and I, I responded and I said, you know, there's, there's, I don't disagree with anything you say here, as, as you remarked at the beginning of our conversation. But the fact is, there are some really great briefs out there. They're rare, but they exist and they create a kind of a very high bar that we need to look to, to to establish a standard when we write a brief. The problem is, I don't know how many brief writers out there know about these very briefs, which is one of the reasons I started the, the Creative Brief Archive to house these briefs. And Baiba Madison has done the same thing with her Creative Brief Bank. So between the two of us and maybe one or two others, there are growing repositories of briefs. As you pointed out rightly, and I haven't said this as much, I'm not discriminating against the good brief versus the bad brief on these repositories. I'm just housing them. Yeah. We need to see the good and the bad because then we'll know what the good really is. Exactly. And so uh, a couple of things while you were talking, and I, I mentioned that line from from George where he says, for better or for worse, my best friends and agencies have almost always been planners. And I think that that probably speaks to what I was saying earlier. George is a guy who has business acumen. Instead of palling around with the other creatives who might not, he's kind of, he's palling around with the guys that, that have that thing that he has that is rare among creative directors. So when you say he takes a strategist or a planner with him to a client meeting, it's because he wants to bounce stuff off of that person, recognizing what the planner brings to the table isn't creative ideas, but rather, how am I thinking about this business problem the right way? Um, what are some uh, lateral thinking we could do about this business problem? So he's almost describing uh, uh, a dupla situation, right? Where his dupla is not an art director, but a strategist. Yeah. In, term, in terms of taking on an assignment and wait, the other wait. thing I, the other thing i wanted Go to ahead. say real quick about the creative brief archive and looking at briefs it's not a prerequisite to read other people's briefs 
to be a good brief writer. I didn't have the benefit of doing that. I had to do it the old fashioned way, trial and error. What it is, is a good shortcut and a good measuring stick to say, oh, I really like this brief. I like the way the person wrote it. I think that's a very clever insight. Oh, I never thought about writing a target description like that. What a shitty brief this is. Look at how long it is. (laughs) I can't do anything with 18 to 34 women. Like, what does that mean? (laughs) Like, you know, it's fodder for us analyzing our own work in contrast say, I've done better than that. I've done worse than that. How can I improve? So it's a good shortcut and training tool that heretofore we haven't had um, that hopefully now with your efforts and the efforts of others will be there for people that, you know, honestly, and again, not to pat myself on the shoulder, uh, on the back, you know, I think the best strategists are the ones that are always looking to improve themselves. That's the reason I found your book on Amazon all those years ago. It's the reason, you know, I go on LinkedIn to see what people like George are writing. It's because I'm never satisfied with my state of knowledge um, in my particular craft. Well, that's something that you and I have in common. And and I think that's one of the reasons why we've had so much fun over, I think this is going to be our 130th episode or something like that. Who'd have thought we could continue a conversation on the creative brief for that, for that long a time. So for all the efforts that you and I are trying to, to uh, uh, bring to the task for the archive and for Biba's work, and thankfully to George, someone of his stature can shine a very bright light on the weaknesses and the strengths of a brief. Uh, this is all helping. This is all bringing attention to something that we need to focus on because as you and I have said before, the creative brief is the first step in the creative process. Fall down here, everything else falls apart. So let's try to get it right, you know? Yeah, not necessarily fall apart, but you're just giving yourself so much of a better head start if you have right. a if you have a good brief, right? Like I right. said, a great creative could salvage a shitty brief. But why do why do we want why do we why are we why do we want to get down three runs in the bottom of the ninth? Like exactly. Exactly. So good stuff, Henry. Good stuff, Howard. He's Henry Gomez. And he's Howard Eibach. And together, we're the Brief Brothers. Till next time. Bye-bye. Bye.